sing like the birdies sing. Tweet, 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 tweet. Let's all sing like the birdies sing. Tweet, 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 tweet. Let's all warble like nightingales. Give your throat a treat. Take a time from the bird. Now you all know the word. Hello again out there in uh, Bird Lane. It's Hanson Tebbets along with uh, Chip Darmstadt. Uh, fresh from a, a trip to the uh, to the equator, right, Chip? Exactly. A trip to the equator where I packed my, my long johns. Ah. So just because just you think it's near the equator, you think it's going to be nice and warm and toasty. Ha-ha. Not really, huh? Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, uh, I was in uh, Ecuador for two weeks with the great group of 12 people um, from the North Branch Nature Center and uh, we yeah, we were at times well Quito where you fly into mostly Quito is you know 8,500 feet and what's Mount Mansfield just under just over 4,000 right yeah. so, uh, and we got as high as almost 14,000 feet or so so uh, yeah you break out the long underwear uh, at that elevation, for sure. Mm. So um, you had you had, uh, you had a group of uh, Vermonters with you. Yeah, mostly Vermonters. A few others as as well from uh, New York and a, a gentleman from Spain. Hmm. And um, so, um, what'd you see? Wow, <laughs> <laughs> we saw some awesome birds, um, some cool mammals. Uh, uh, over four hundred and. Let's see, no, there five, yeah, 426 birds, um, bird species. Uh, so a remarkable number of birds. Uh, you, know, you could easily spend a full year birding in the U.S. and um, travel a fair amount and not see that many birds in one year. And we saw that in, in two weeks. Uh, let's see, over 50 species of hummingbirds, mm-hmm. uh, ranging from the tiny little thornbills up to the sword-billed hummingbird. Uh, and let's see, cock of the rock. Um, uh, oh gosh, ant pitas, potus. Have you heard of heard of potu? No, what's a what's a potu? Oh, so a potu is related to whippoorwill. So Vermonters are probably familiar with whippoorwill and nighthawk, but the potu is in a different family. And instead of uh, you know whippoorwills and nighthawks, when they perch, um, they're usually horizontal. You know, sometimes on the on a branch or sometimes the ground. Potus are are mostly larger, but also cryptically patterned with tiny beaks and mouths that open really wide, nocturnal, and they tend to perch upright on a dead um, tree stub, like at the end of a broken off branch or end of a trunk of a tree. And their mouth is humongous. Their beaks are tiny, but they open their mouths and catch. Uh, flying insects, moths, even bats. Um, so saw two species of these wonderful potus, which make crazy sounds. Uh, the, in the lowlands, you get the common potu, and in the uplands, the Andean potu. So that was a fun highlight. Uh, yeah, so many, so many birds. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Sounds like you have to pace yourself over the couple of weeks, though, right? No. No, there's no pacing. You're, <laughs> not, you just not, go for it, huh? 
nonstop birding. Yeah, you know, we, we built in downtime, but, uh, you know, when I'm in a place like that, uh, I, I can't rest. I'm out every second I can um, looking for birds. And uh, even at night, I found it hard to sleep because I would be lying in bed hearing interesting sounds in the night, including potus. At one point at 11.30 p.m., it was like my alarm went off. A potu started calling. Jumped out of bed, ran outside barefoot, and was getting some audio recordings of it. Found it perched on the end of a end of a trunk of a tree. So yeah, even at night, it was hard to mm-hmm. rest. I think they call that commitment, Chip. <laughs> Obsession. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. So um, so you're pretty high up in the um, in the uh, elevation. So why why? I guess it's probably the the perfect habitat for a lot of birds, right? Well, we actually covered quite a, a range of elevations. We we were both on the eastern slopes of the Andes and the western slopes of the Andes. So we you know we were high as fourteen thousand feet, and we got as low as maybe five thousand, four thousand feet above sea level. So we didn't get down into the Amazon basin or the coastal lowlands. But we got into the foothills. And so, you know, on a trip like this, we, we purposely try to cover, you know, a, a range of elevations because, you know, there's a lot of birds in the Andes that they're just, you know, they just live in this narrow elevational belt on one side of the Andes or both. So some birds live in the foothills, some birds live in the subtropics, some birds live in um, this more temperate zone, and some birds are living mm-hmm. above treeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on both slopes, you get different species of birds. Mm. Now, some of those birds that are there, do they, they make our way to our, our uh, to Vermont at times? Yeah, a couple. No potus, but mm. um, we did see a lot. Almost every day we saw black Bernian warblers. Um, what else? I'm trying to think if there are any other warblers. Summer tanager, you know, and um, which is more of a southern bird, and scarlet tanager. Mm-hmm. I think this was the first time I've been to Ecuador and have seen scarlet tanager. Um, this time of year, they're they're yellowish with you know still with dark wings, but not bright red like in the summer here. So those were the ones that I can remember. Black Bernians are abundant down there, mm-hmm. um, and cerulean warbler. We've had a couple of brief glimpses of cerulean warbler in the on the western eastern slopes of the Andes. Yeah. Well, I think you missed the uh, really cold snap we had. We had a pretty brutal couple of days here. Um, it was, uh, I guess, last weekend it would be. I forgot. It seems like ages ago, but it wasn't that far ago. But we had a couple of uh, minus 20, 30s with wind chill factors that were pretty pretty nasty. But it was only a couple of days. Wow. Wow. Did that, did that drive a lot of birds to the feeders? It did. I, I was I was watching the behavior and how they adapt, and they were moving a little slower. They were puffed up a little bit, but at the feeder, uh, they would come in, and you know, mostly the chickadees and nuthatches and the and the woodpeckers. But they were they definitely were hunkered down a little bit, trying to get as much suet and feed as in as possible. But it was it was pretty rough on everybody, including including a lot of the people that um, you know that we had some folks obviously they had pipe issues and heating issues uh, but uh but uh, yeah it was just luckily it wasn't a five-dayer it was a two-dayer that's good yeah 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 not sad to have missed that yeah but also um this week we're hearing that our famous uh, big eagle uh, from siberia is returned to maine after spending a little bit of time in canada 
you know, I had a feeling that when I went on my trip, the bird was going to show up. <laughs> and, and it is indeed back, the stellar sea eagle. Um, you know, I heard it, something interesting. I haven't, um, you know, confirmed my source yet, but someone told me that the sea eagle, which we first um, had um, come down as, as far south as Massachusetts last year, um, that folks up in Newfoundland uh, had seen this bird in previous years. Uh, you know, and it's a lightly populated area. You know, we, not every day we're chatting with people from Newfoundland. So, you know, this bird may have been hanging around for even longer than we suspected, and it just never got reported. Um, you know, I don't, again, I don't know, I haven't heard any sources on that, but it's kind of kind of fun to think that this bird may have been kicking around um, the upper Canadian maritime for a few years and now just, you know, once in a while coming, dipping down south into Maine. Yeah, I've seen some pictures recently. Um, Maine Audubon's been posting some, but it's in that same region again. It's in that uh, Georgetown region of Maine, which I think is not too far away from Portland and Kennebunkport, right? Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, or Booth. Is it south of, in between like Kennebunkport and Booth Bay Harbor? I, I think so. Yeah, I hear the uh, I hear Georgetown quite a bit in the in the sightings, but it, I think is yeah. uh, this week there have been there have been sightings and um, and it was I think this is kind of the same territory it was the last time I visited Maine, so it's made a, a return to the same region, which is very interesting as well. You know. Oh, I hope it sticks around. I, yeah, I'm, I'm grounded for a little while, so but yeah. Uh, <laughs> If it sticks around for a month or so, hopefully it'll get up there. Yeah, I did hear people were thinking about putting the camera in the back of the car or the telescope and heading to Maine um, yeah. for that. So anyway, Chip, hope you recover. Uh, thanks for the update for the uh, uh, trip to Ecuador. Seeing, um, saw a bunch of bluebirds in uh, South Burlington the other day, which I thought was uh, kind of neat, but uh, they've been hanging out. Yeah, I'm eager to see what, what I've been missing. Uh, so, and, you know, before we know it, red-winged blackbirds will start showing up and other fun early migrants. Yeah, yeah, we're getting towards the uh, the end of uh, the end of February, so it's all coming. All right, we've got to fly out here for another weekend. I'm Anson Tebbets. I'm Chip Domstadt. For the birds. Let's all sing like the birdies sing. Now you all know the word Tweet, 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 tweet